0: After 32 years, I came out of the closet as a gay Christian pastor. Finally, on the outside of that suffocating prison, I'm looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. It's not enough to become informed. We have to do something about the harm we're still witnessing within systems and spaces we've been loyal to for so long. It's time we become reformers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Confessions of a Reformer. I'm your host, Mike Myashiro and I've got a special guest with me today. I gotta say, this feels like a special event for me because I found this person at the early stages of my queer-affirming theology journey when I was still coming out to myself, and I read their—I mean, firstly, their YouTube videos were, like, deeply ministerial and— edifying and important for me i don't know why i'm using such christian words
1: all of a sudden no but Um, like it's like i I get it though because like that's where that's where i was too and that's why i made those things right to edify
0: yeah and i was so edified and then um i got their book bad theology kills and read it on a couple of flights and i was like crying highlighting whole like sections i don't know if i've ever told you that kevin but no but it makes me feel so happy oh good i was so i was just like what am I doing? What am I, what, what is my life? This is true. And why have I not seen this before? And it was so mm. controversial. And it was like breaking a bunch of lines that I'd stayed within. And Kevin, you're just like a big part of my process and journey. So anyway, everyone, I want to introduce you for the first time in anything I've ever published with Kevin to Kevin Garcia. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I hope you're feeling nice today yeah kevin i listen i want to take a moment before we get into anything especially before we start talking about deconstruction which inevitably will mm-hmm. come up but i want to take a moment for people to get to hear a bit of your origin story who are you mm-hmm. where'd you come from but let's start with briefly just like who are you and what are you doing in the world today and then tell mm-hmm. us tell us all the things
1: sure who i am right now um okay so like the branding and like the advertisements they uh, what i call myself for what i do for a job I call myself a spiritual recovery coach and what that basically means is i help people after they've walked away from fundamentalist religion or or evangelicalism or in their their deconstructing i help create uh show them how to create sustainable spiritual practices that help heal your connection with your divine self so you can like get on with the business of enjoying your life rather than continuously like floundering and all the shit that's not working and that's kind of what I'm most passionate about, is helping people move on from the pain that of the past to recognize that it's over and it can't touch you anymore and get into a spirituality and a spiritual practice that is gonna lead you into the presence of peace that passeth understanding. Um, yes. And I mean that in the truest and most literal sense of the word or uh, phrase. Where I come from, I grew up Southern evangelical. My mama was the worship leader. My uncle was the pastor. I got baptized at age nine and I was very, very pious. <laughs> and by that, I mean, like, you know, I was a good youth group kid. Like I read the, I was, it's something, Um, I mean, the, I'm looking back on it. I'm starting to form my theories now. And I think it's because I was, I've always been rather effeminate, even as a child. And, you know, this is, you know, probably par for the course for a lot of us out there. Who grew up queer and in the church is like I knew that I was different but I just didn't know why <laughs> um and so that difference though I knew was dangerous and so like I think as a defense mechanism and maybe I don't know I just felt this connection to spirit and I thought like okay if I double down on being good on being a good Christian that's what's going to get me saved and then you know, I realized that I was attracted to boys in high school, you know, immediately was in ex-gay therapy, like back when exodus was a thing, like, mm-hmm. like the old OG exodus, like that's when I was in. I had an ex-gay testimony at like 14 years old, which first of all, no one has an ex-gay testimony at 14 years old. Let's just be fucking honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was like, talk to me in seven years, girl. Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit later, but I was, I was sold out though. And like the things that they taught me, just, I believed them. And of course, like, I didn't know how to research or do like, look at science. And the internet wasn't really a thing at that point, um, outside of like AOL chat rooms, which is a whole other podcast for another time. <laughs> um, fast forward, I go to college and then after college, I become a missionary And after I was a missionary, I worked for the missions organization in Georgia. And then like going to work for them was like my last ditch effort for like, God, if you're gonna make me straight, this is the this is your last chance, dude. Like if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna switch it up now, I can't do it anymore. It's very similar to Bethel and like BSSM land. Um, very influenced by that kind of theology and teaching and practice. So it's like, you know, if God can, you know, heal the sick you know a a healing of sexuality can't be that hard right um but it was (laughs) but it really was that hard turns out um i was dating a very lovely young woman and like i met her family it was a whole to do and then i was like wait a second this isn't working and i don't think it's because you're not wonderful i think it is because you're not a dude and that sucks because I want to like you so bad, but I don't. It's not your fault. <laughs> yeah, trying to explain that to I mean, no shade to evangelical women, but my God, when they have like an image in their head of getting married and you squash that, my God, no hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned, bitch. <laughs> um, especially an evangelical woman who is, you know. Anyways, but of course, a, again different podcast, different time. Since then, came out every single one of my leaders and like you know authority figures that were over me, like covering, they were all like, we all just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying it's it's time for you to move on, and I'm like, that's is that what the Holy Spirit is is saying? You know, because I thought the Holy Spirit said that you're a worship leader and I was supposed to be leading this ministry. That's what Holy Spirit said to me. That, no, our discernment, it's just, you know, it's just not your time. And so we were out and I moved to Atlanta and I lived in a shitty basement apartment with like no money and no, like a huge gap in my resume. I also stole a, a shitty mattress from from them, like from Adventures and Missions because I, had, I didn't have anything to sleep on. And so I was like, I'm going to take your shitty, like, worthless like 75 cent mattress with me and it was the best thing that honestly could have happened because i was as free as god was i no longer had a religion i had to attend to i no longer had boundaries that i had to attend to and so on the far side of it fast forward this will be my eighth summer out of the closet congratulations and thank you it's very fun now, I help people get over all the shit that I had questions about and cried about all the time, and still sometimes cry about. But I wrote a book called Bad Theology Kills that came out exactly three years on Sunday, the 29th. Wow. Three years and 3,000 copies sold later, which for an indie book, that is not bad, bitch.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. While you were at the Adventure Missions world, you came mm-hmm. out while you were there. Did something Mm -hmm. happen? Was there like some kind of catalyst? Like why then, why, yeah,
1: why, what happened? I was at a breaking point where it was like, I wanted to, uh, trigger warning, I wanted to die. I was so fucking sad all the time. And like, I couldn't imagine, like I was just sitting, I was sitting with a bunch of my friends and I was just crying in like all these prayer rooms. I'm just like, guys, I'm trying, I'm trying, but nothing's working and I feel like I'm a failure. And then one of my friends said, can I just be honest with you? I think that they're wrong. I think we've been wrong. I said, and I think there's nothing wrong with you. And that was, I'm just like, that's what I think. I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but like, I can't say that out loud. But as soon as I started to like say it out loud and like the more, it just made sense to me, like, and of course, like I'm somebody who's very in the Holy Spirit, that's what I thought. And, you know, someone who's very intuitive and it just was like, this just makes no sense. Like, I know that I didn't choose this. I know that people are saying that sexuality is a choice. I'm like, I don't think it is. And the more I read, The more about human sexuality and and psychology, et cetera, et cetera, the more it just does not make sense for me to just interpret, like, just take your interpretation of the Bible at face value. Because frankly, it's killing me under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I just started my coming out process very slowly. Like, it was my intention to do so. And then, funny enough, like, the, the week that I decided that I was coming out and I was starting the process, a friend of mine, well, not a friend of mine, well, he's a friend now but we were Tinder matches at the time. A guy I matched with on Tinder invited me to a queer Christian conference in Atlanta. Blah, blah, blah. I got to go for free. It was life-changing and I never looked back. And so it was just like, I'm in a room full of LGBTQ Christians. These people exist and they're unashamed. Well, then I don't have to be ashamed anymore. It's just like I saw somebody do it and I'm just like, fuck yeah. Not going back. Can't go back. Once you know how good your body can feel, it's almost as if in like, reverence to that joy and pleasure that you seek to stay there as often as possible you owe it to yourself you owe it to the to god in you who's experiencing it alongside you but yeah that's that's the quick and dirty version
0: right and there's i know there's so many more stories in there you could share and so thank you for sharing what you did if you guys want to hear more of kevin's story their book is like a great place to get more details on
1: it go check it out Um, it's it's available on audible now i'll read it to you whoa it's your voice hmm That's one of the wonderful things about owning your own shit.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I don't think I told you this, Kevin, but when I read your book, you said a few things in your, I mean, I hadn't even really started intentionally deconstructing, even though obviously queer affirming theology is a form of deconstruction in and of itself. But Sure, sure, sure.
1: Um, but I know that I take so, it to places.
0: You did. And you took it places and I was like, wait, what? What are they saying right now? What do I, do? I just, it was jarring, but I also was like, I think they're
1: right. Mm.
0: if that's true and it was just like threatening and terrifying enough that I had to like put it away for a 2nd like I'm gonna not think about that right now the shelf um, well no I powered through and read the whole thing and then didn't talk to anybody about it because <laughs> I didn't know what to tell <laughs> I, was like, I can't let people know that I read this but I don't disagree it was wild and it was also like that's earlier fun. in the process than I was ready for but yeah. it was helpful and catalyzing and bold so you know just for anyone who is considering or would be willing to check out Kevin's book um listen
1: we go places yeah it's it's not yeah. just about one thing it's not just about gay shit mm-hmm. we really go some places in there
0: yeah I, I wish i could remember some specific details but you specifically hit a couple of things theologically that i'd never really heard before and i was like mm. i do want to talk to you about your deconstruction journey and i mm. also absolutely want you to get into whatever hairy details come up as you go um but kevin would you care to like Pick sure. it up in your story, and your process, and your experience on the, the deconstruction side of all this. Uh,
1: of course, I started a podcast almost immediately after I came out because, <laughs> of course, in my opinion, there can't be too many of us out here doing this because have you seen what's at the top of most of the spirituality and religion charts? It's Christian nonsense. We owe it to the rest of the world to, to give them better content. That's what we're here for. Create a podcast. Um, yeah everybody even if it's bad <laughs> i started my podcast and i wanted to talk to everybody at the time we didn't call it deconstruction that's the thing like that for i think that term only came around within the last three years at least to my knowledge and someone told me that that's what i was doing you know i thought it was like losing my faith or whatever but could, apparently it's a process i don't know i feel like it was like r- rather than like pulling something apart it just felt like an organic growth or like how over time, like a tree just like will displace where a sidewalk is like, especially in Atlanta when you walk on the sidewalks, there are some that are just (laughs) But that's how it felt like for me, it was like my faith journey grew to a point where like it fucked up the sidewalks. My normal ways of navigating around this thing no longer were smooth and solid. And I had to learn, do I sand down the tree or do I enjoy what it's naturally becoming? And frankly, I don't have the budget or the time To redo the pavement you know what i'm saying (laughs) and i don't want to build anything around it because i like i like the tree all that to say on a practical level outside of tree metaphors it started off with okay it's cool to be queer and christian it's cool to be trans and christian and then the next domino to fall was like okay what about sex because I keep saying that i want to save sex for marriage but here i am also hooking up with people and i don't exactly feel bad about that so what does that mean and then it was like okay so like sex for marriage it's not a thing that's ne- necessary and then the next part was hell and i'm like oh f- uh, is, if hell's not real then oh shit. well then what was i saved from was i saved from anything well you know who is jesus in the and then you know that's when it really starts to like splinter and then explode i had a i had somebody who who said hey i feel led to get to do a reiki session on you and i'm just like that sounds like a little because i was a good christian and i do not do those things but i'm like okay cool cool, cool fine what could it hurt <laughs> and i do it and when i tell you i was like i was like this is the holy spirit this i know this feeling are you telling me that this ex-catholic lesbian witch <laughs> has access to the Holy Ghost as well and that just blew me open to the possibility that there's a different modality through which I can experience God
0: for people who are raised in the church one like witches no no mm-hmm. or Reiki you know any kind of spirituality outside of is, yeah, yeah 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 and then also like if you're saying other people have access to God besides uh, us what is mm-hmm. that mean? would you care to speak to
1: either of those concerns as people are listening to you I don't believe in hell anymore I don't think it's real I don't think it's helpful. Because and (laughs) you like we can trace back to we can historically trace back how we theologically got to hell and what people believed before that, or even our the ancestors of our faith all the way back to Father Abraham. If he was even real. But the thing about it is, if hell does not exist, which I do not believe it does, um, and I and I think that anybody who's deconstructing their faith who actually still believes in hell, I think you have a lot more to examine. If I can imagine an all-loving God who, no matter what, holds all things within themselves, within God's self, within the heart of love, then that is more loving than the God that we were sold, that we grew up with. If I can, if I can, if I can imagine not letting everybody be punished. You know, if I were sitting in God's shoes, I don't want, you know, maybe even for a time, maybe people should be punished for a time. I don't know, but I don't want it to be forever. Forever is a long time. And so as far as I'm concerned, if I can imagine that, that makes me more loving than the Christian God who sends people to hell for eternity. And if I'm more loving than that God, I think maybe you should start coming to my church. So if there is no eternal damnation and punishment, that means there's only ever connection I would just pose the questions like, why do you think people keep the practices that they do? Why do you why do you think people believe different things? It's because they're trying to connect to God. It's because they are connecting to God. People don't just like follow things because they think it's trendy. They're doing it because it's what's connecting them to the thing that makes them come alive. It's the reason why you're still a fucking Christian, right? You stay that you stay with the thing that makes you come alive. And that is what I would call God. The thing that makes you just light up on the inside, the thing that makes you feel so connected to everything and everyone around you. And some folks in their tradition have learned different practices of sitting with other people and allowing them to experience the same connection they do, which, you know, some people call that the craft, or they call it indigenous religious practices, or they call it, like, the thing about it is, is like most Western Christians, especially evangelicals, have been taught that anything that is not their own practice is witchcraft, and witchcraft is of the devil. And I'm here to tell you, the devil's not real. I'm here to tell you that people like you need to go make friends with your local witch. She can definitely help balance out your shit. There is nothing to fear. A Course in Miracles says to us that you can only be afraid of the one that you have made a stranger. And so as far as I'm concerned, if you are called to be a brotherhood, sisterhood, family of all creation, what are you doing excluding somebody? It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. And plus, you haven't had an experience. You only have what other people told you. I would also say you're judging people based off of their appearance and not off their character or their experience. And I'm so sorry if you're just now realizing that you're a judgmental bitch, but you need to realize that if you are afraid of somebody, that's on you. That person is so, like that person's your teacher. The person you are most afraid of is always the person who has the wisdom that you're waiting for, that you need. And I say that with the exception of just like, if you're a person who's like being dominant, this is a power struggle, then, you know, maybe don't go to like your abusive pastor because for him to be your teacher, you know, right. take that with a grain of salt. Kind of got passionate there.
0: <laughs> Hi, Mike here. I just want to make sure you know that I'm a coach and a consultant. I specifically work with people through their queer journey or their religious baggage. And there's a link below this episode if you want to work with me. All right, let's get back to the episode. Where did you get the audacity, the confidence, the security to venture mm-hmm. out of evangelicalism when that was the world you were raised in? Like, how did you leave the quote unquote empire, if you will? What would you say to people who are like, they don't even want oh. to consider leaving it because it's like, they've it's been ingrained in them that that's where the truth is held. It's monopolized
1: uh. within that system, right? I can't speak for everyone. But I think that we all have a sneaking suspicion that God's too big to be held up in one religious tradition. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I could be, I'm willing to be wrong. Nothing, again, like there's nothing to fear here. Like that's the thing. I, um, I think the pl- the reason that got like so audacious is because I was so tired of everybody telling me what I was or was not experiencing. Words don't teach, experience does. My experience of evangelicalism was I made myself small. I learned to shrink myself. I learned that to put my identity in Christ, meant that I was to lose lose myself, meaning I needed to just dissolve the thing that God created. I need to erase the details of who I was, who God created me to be in order to be a part of this bigger thing. And the reality is, is that I am... An intricate puzzle piece that is necessary for the entire whole to be whole it's if i smooth off my edges i don't fit into the puzzle i don't fit into you know i can't i can't grab onto anything if it's just all smooth edges so i think the thing that like gave me the audacity is just i realized people have been making this shit up since before we got here nobody has authority over me like nobody has authority to tell me who I am. The reason that it keeps me out here is I'm continuously having these deep experiences of God that are deeper than anything I ever experienced in the church. So it's like, I don't need faith anymore. I have experience. I don't need to stand up for myself or defend my faith anymore. There's nothing to defend. You know what I'm experiencing? Joy. And I'm happier than I've ever been in my entire life. And that that experience teaches you something. And it, heaven forbid I be happy, not doing what you want me to do like that's really like what it comes down to like we're so we're taught all day that outside of the church is weeping and gnashing of teeth and there is but that's just suffering in general life happens to you but there's so much more life out here there's experience there's joy there is pleasure and not just like sexual pleasure i'm talking like a lust for life that is so deliciously intense that you can't help but experience god all the time because you're so aware of it I'm looking outside the window. I'm just like, how do I explain that? We're just existing inside of God. Like it's it's all contained. It's all here. And I get to appreciate it. And I get it. Then I start getting into wonder again. I will say, I think in some ways, it's quite healthy and natural and necessary to go through a dark night of the soul, to lose your shit, to lose your faith completely. And it's just like, don't beat yourself up when that happens. Just know that it does. And wherever you end up, it's okay. However you end up practicing or not practicing, it's okay. Like you're loved. You know, if not by God, then by me, or by your neighbor, or whoever loves you, or yourself. If you're afraid that God's going to leave you, I'm just like, do you think God is, you could, do you think you could leave God? Do you think God is some place that can be left, or some person that can be left? That's great, I love it. We're definitely getting Kevin vibes in here, you know? <laughs> um, I want to <laughs> sorry i have like the worst like laugh it's like a weird goofy movie
0: (laughs) you mentioned okay if hell's not real then what am i saved from would you care to like expound a little more on that
1: originally growing up i was taught all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god therefore we are in need of a perfect savior to give a perfect sacrifice so that we can be saved from god's wrath and not be burned forever in hell so god had to send god to earth to die so that the wrath of god could be satisfied so later when god rose from the dead god could send god but as a different form of god to help us out i'm just like why couldn't you just send that helper ahead of time that's where it all started to break down like the whole salvation as atonement theory just bleh, no fell apart for me. If you haven't started reading Black Liberation Theology, please go pick up the cross and the lynching tree. It'll be a good place to start. But Black Liberation Theology, especially James Cohn, reframes the crucifixion not as a sacrifice that God did on behalf of us, but as something that happened to Jesus as an act of violence from the state towards the marginalized. Cohen, among other theologians, might say the crucifixion was God standing in solidarity with every bit of suffering that ever was or would be. That rather than saying, I'm giving myself up for you, is to say, No, I understand how badly you're suffering and me too. I'm right here with you. That's what the presence of God is like. Not always a big triumphant rescuing us from, you know, the hands of Egypt, you know, the children, the story of the children of Israel. Sometimes god is just the one who says you know who is a good person who suffers alongside us i think that jesus did not save us from anything as much as he just taught us how to live better and even sometimes i have trouble with like the jesus i find in the gospels i've learned the tradition of it but it's you know long story short I I draw a lot from the thoughts of desert mothers and fathers, as well as like mystics like Richard Rohr and Cynthia Bourgeau, who talk about Jesus as a wisdom teacher. The way I look at Jesus now is not so much as a savior in the sense I'm, I'm saved from hell. If I'm saved from anything, I'm saved from a small life, or I'm saved from thinking that I'm separate from love, or I'm saved from thinking I'm unworthy. I'm saved from all the bullshit thoughts that keep me trapped. That's what I'm saved from, which is in fact hell, isn't it? which like cuz those are the things that I that's how I experience hell is just all right here in the head. But now I see Jesus as my brother and my teacher and my friend. I see him as somebody who merely has shown me what I am capable of and has asked me to do greater than. What are we doing wasting our time going to these evangelical churches and you know mega church bullshit places like you're you're wasting time. Greater things, baby. The reason like I'm still kind of a I would say I'm a devotee of Jesus is because of what he like you know what he does for me he bridges the gap between me and heaven that that sense of peace that passes understanding in real time not heaven later heaven now and so when i met like you know at minimum when i'm meditating upon the person of jesus like the reason it's like you meditate on somebody you ask for their help and they're there for you it's like the communion of saints in in christianity it's just like if i ask for it jesus is so willing to help us Jesus is such a good friend if you want that. And also Jesus doesn't need you to believe in him. Jesus is just willing to help you if you need it. And so it's just like, I don't need to believe that Jesus is my savior. I just know that Jesus will help me if I ask. I Because like, Lord knows, I ain't got all the patience in the world. Lord knows I don't have the wisdom. So let me go to one who does. And for me, that person feels like Jesus. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to church every Sunday. In fact, I don't want to go to church ever again. I don't think I need to. You know why? Because Jesus didn't start a church. He started a movement. His fan club started the church. They didn't even follow what he said, but you know, what do I know? I'm just somebody who studied it. (laughs) Jesus is dope. And also I think that we need to like, give him a break. Stop being so concerned about what Jesus thinks and start being concerned about how your people and your community feel. You know, feed somebody, close somebody, be kind to somebody. What you do to the least you do unto me, that's in the book how come nobody it's like nobody reads these days you know what i'm saying so yours i would
0: say your journey from what i've heard and been able to witness you have a strong spiritual mystical intuitive bent to you right that isn't necessarily mm-hmm. true for other people in deconstruction correct um would you care to speak to the mysticism side of this like you're even talking about your relationship with jesus in like a mm-hmm. mystical metaphysical type dynamic right like would you care to yeah. unpack that a little more
1: yeah what i'm saying i know and the path that i take is not for everybody but it's that's the thing it doesn't need to be for everybody it only needs to be for those that, for whom it is for because if i'm not if i'm not your teacher somebody else out there could be or if i'm not the person to like help you figure out what you want to do someone else might be you person listening you're the person who needs to figure it out anyways when i say mystical and like miss like yeah i have a mystical bend to everything and i think that just what i mean by that is I think that the universe is conscious and is benevolent and loving towards all of us. I believe that all creation in some way is either a part of God's mind or is a deposit of God's intelligence and also is wanting to commune with us at all times. I think the mystics would say is like, you can never know God, but you can experience God. And so that's really what I think a, a mystic would say is like, we're in it for the experience of God. And when you're aware, everything, is the experience of God. Of course, a miracle says that all things are an echo for the voice for God. All things, every moment. If I'm really like, if I'm looking at this microphone in front of me, I want to know what's holding the atoms together that are holding the microphone together. And also, how is it that this microphone is just metal and wires, but somehow it's picking up the vibrations of the air that I'm creating with my vocal folds and transferring it into an electrical signal that's going into my computer and then flying through the air to a router, which is then going to something else, which is then going to something else and connecting to you in Nashville, Tennessee, which is over eight hours away driving, or like the way I drive it's eight hours away because I take a lot of breaks. It's only like five, <laughs> but it's doing that in real time. And, and I, the question is, I'm like, excuse me, what? That's a, That to me, I'm like, that's miraculous. This computer, miraculous. And then you want to take like a look at my own body? apparently i know how to operate a whole digestive system a whole respiratory system a whole endocrine oh some, some, you know <laughs> what all those things are i don't know all the systems in the body i was a music major <laughs> but there's an intelligence in my body that's going all the time and i would like to call that intelligence love if love is all around us if god is all around us and then i don't feel it i would say that it is my perception which is impaired And it's impaired because of the things i experience in life one might call that my karma or the things that i cling to the things i attach to the things that are going to trip me up and knock me out of my peace as many times as they need to until i learn that it's not that big a deal it's now one of those things where like my the lifelong my lifelong pursuit is the awareness of that presence and just continuously asking the question what can i do to come back to peace and I do that through specifically keeping spiritual practices. I would call myself a yogi. So I do yoga practice and sadhana, which is just another way of saying like yoga devotionals, if you want to put it in different terms. And that that's really doing it for me. Like it's, ca- it's causing me to come alive. And then like, you know, a couple of years from now, it might look different, but like it's always like it's a mixture of like all of the best things that came from my youth, with all of the most wonderful things that I'm learning from countless teachers. I feel like I'm as free as God is now, no boundaries. I get to like, I get to go wherever God is, which is everywhere. I believe that there's something more probably. Let me enjoy the ride. Let me enjoy this life as much as possible. Okay, before I land this plane,
0: I wanna ask you, I would love for you to speak to. Got people in my world listening to me who, they're queer either are still in the closet or still in their evangelical spaces still trying to make it work at church um would you care to speak to that group of people what would Mm -hmm. kevin have to say to them
1: sweet queer sweet gay bisexual lesbian trans baby out there no matter what your age is even if you're like in your upper 50s and you're still working through it you're still a queer baby it's okay I know that you're so scared, and I know that you're thinking that God's going to leave you if you make the wrong choice, and I just need you to let that shit go. You think that God's going to leave you? Like, listen, God hasn't left you up to this point. You've probably done horrible, horrible things, right? Horrible, terrible things. You falling in love with somebody who looks a certain kind of way, ain't nothing that God is going to be mad about. You know, if you're a dick, that's one thing. But if you're just falling in love, that's another thing. If you're like actively harming people, that's one thing. But if you're just choosing to express yourself, that's another. And you know that. So stop listening to the people who do not love you more than you love you. You deserve to be in right relationship with you. You deserve. To feel good. And it starts here, starts right now by being able to look at people who would say that you are less than loved by God and honestly just give them the bird. They don't know what they're fucking talking about. You know it. I know it. Just accept it. Two, it's okay to leave those places. Even if you think that, you know, to love Jesus is to also love his bride or his church or whatever, that's all bullshit. It's something that somebody else made up. If you are in a place where you have an affirming church or you want to be a part of a community, that is great, but you do not have to keep a relationship with an abusive group of people in order to remain in relationship with the person of Jesus. Number three, if you're staying in a place that's non-affirming of LGBTQ people, that is not affirming of women in leadership, that is doing all the things that you know are contrary to your values, I want you to give yourself a break and I want you to leave right now. And the reason I say that is because I worked for years and years, almost most of my time out of the closet was spent trying to reform spaces that did not want to be reformed. The problem is people don't change unless it affects their money. And unfortunately, most of these spaces, their money comes from people who are not affirming and are not willing to change their stances. And as much as you want it, as much passion as you will give them as many times as you will get coffee with a goddamn pastor and give your sob story again I want you to save your time your breath and your energy and your heart my love those places do not deserve you so if there's not active motion within the next three months for yourself get out go somewhere else go to brunch sleep in (laughs) you're not giving up on them if you want to be faithful to your call in god and you know that god is calling you further than where your church is willing to go leave and may and know that the god of the wilderness who was in a tent all through the fucking desert for 40 years with israel if you want to go with the bible is with you and also know that the same power that raised christ from the dead is alive in you so guess what you're not alone and not to mention, there's thousands of us out here now in the wilderness. Come sit by the fire. It's fun. And we have beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of there. Let go. Come on out. Seriously. It's, it's, it's tired. We're tired. And you don't need to be tired anymore. It's so much more fun. So much more fun out here. And not in the way where it's just like, oh, you're just wanting to sin all the time. Yeah, whatever. I want to sin all the time. Sure. But I also, I'm so happy. And if that is a sin, then I guess... I am chief among them, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You can edit out all of the times I say cuss words in here if you need to. I know that not everyone. That sounds like a lot of work,
0: Kevin. I'm not gonna do that. I know people get to work through, you know, filtering out what you're saying in the ways that they can grab it, but I mean, I just love your call for freedom and people caring for themselves. I think it's so important and so good. Mm,
1: My joy and honor and also- I'm glad to do it because I tell you what, no time like the present. I'm also having a blast doing it. Some people get real bogged down with this stuff and like, it can be really tiresome. But that's also why I think that when you have a good spiritual practice to sustain you, that's how the work gets sustained. Like, I'm not working from a deficit ever. That's what I was always doing at church. Give, like, you remember that song by Reliant K? There was, like You gotta give, give, give until there's nothing else, give like literally this is like it's a song about giving until there's nothing else left and i'm just like that is so reflective oh. of the time
0: oh you're right like i don't remember that song and i remember it now whoa
1: yeah it's clicking oh. now unlocked memory sorry if i set anybody off on that one <laughs> call your therapist it's don't touch right.
0: reliant okay okay well kevin before we land this plane how do people get a hold of what you're doing how do
1: they plug in how sure. do they you know all the things give us the information You can contact me or get in touch with me. I'm across social media at The Kevin Garcia. That's T-H-E Kevin Garcia. You can also find my work at thekevingarcia.com. My book, Bad Theology Kills is at badtheologykills.com. It's also available on Audible. And my podcast, A Tiny Revolution is coming back in February. So I've been gone, I've been on hiatus finishing the second book, which is called What Makes You Bloom, which has a release date of January 9th, 2024, as of today wow amazing books I that's awesome i love that congratulations i didn't know that i'm so pleased i'm so happy i just got to get these edits done and then smooth sailing wow coming wow. out with me yeah i love it
0: great so i'll probably provide the link links plural below in the show notes so everyone you can check that out down there kevin thank you so much for opening your heart and sharing i know what you're sharing here you're lighthearted and cavalier about it but like this cost you and you've invested so much heart and energy mm-hmm. passion so thank you for bringing that to us i'm very thankful for my pleasure i receive these kind words thanks for having me <laughs> for sure everyone thanks for being here we will see you next time listen there's more where this came from if you want to dive deeper check out mike